Welcome to Time Code Presents. Today we talk about Time Code NOLA 703, and we also speak to some of the contributors to that episode, like Big Chief Brian Nelson and also O.J. Parker and Quinn Young. This will also serve as our Time Code NOLA Mardi Gras special, ripe with tales of the Fat City Nuisance, cold fried chicken versus daiquiris versus crawfish, and Rome Julian tells us about his compelling footage of a drunken Mardi Gras day. Featuring Pat Marrero, Randy Perez, John Wood, and Rome Julian. Don't take it too seriously and enjoy. Here we go. Yeah, man, I heard um, King's, uh, King Cake season started, and I was in Costa Rica last week, so uh, I kind of missed you, you, King's you not you, None of y'all, like, you, you rode in Orpheus, Patrick, yeah. but, like, yeah. None of y'all like. I, nah, like I, I don't I can, ride. Can, no, no, is, no. Is that what you asked? No, no, no. But like, there's, there's a lot. There's, there used to be people that are like for Mardi Gras they would go to like Belize or something. Like they're like, oh, oh no, I'm not one of those. Like, no, yeah, I do no, that I, for New Year's. Yeah, New Year's. Like, then you gotta come. I'm inviting you next year. Oh, okay. We going uh, maybe to either um, Saint Lucia or oh, okay. we may go to. See, I like the cold stuff. Like during the the cold time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially because, well, I mean, I, I mean I've been in a lot That's your white side show up every <laughs> now and then, bro. Like, you know, every now yeah, and nah, again, nah, dude, like you eat summers. Popeyes, but then he like going where it's cold. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's your yeah, white no, side. No, but it's bro. it's funny because like, it, like over the last like three years, I've been in Alaska all through the summer. So it's like, it's like literally like average, like the highest it'll get is 60, but it goes all the way down into 30s. I, I, like it's hoodie weather. Me. You, got, you got so used to it, like, like if that was my well, job, I, I, like, yeah, I, cool. I, I, I got an impressive collection of hoodies. Take them to Puerto. Randy's genetically Puerto Rican. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, like when nice. when I did my little my little uh, uh, twenty three and me, they were basically like, yeah, you're Puerto Rican. Nice. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, that's I'm, funny. I'm Irish. That just so. means you New Orleans. That means no, yeah, New it's very very New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what that means with New Orleans is that you need to be indoors. During the winter time, screening for episode seven hundred three. Oh, well, uh, episode seven hundred three of Time Code Nola, featuring a couple of shorts and yeah, we uh, got a couple got of trailers. John Jackson. All right, so, so hold on, we fu- we getting hold on. Everybody, calm the. F- <laughs> no, seriously. John is eating fucking king. Like yeah. everybody had too much king cake. Wait, I that, think I had a lot fucking of king too cake. much king cake. We had, I had nine- two slices, dog. John Sugar John showed up have with you had, have you had a piece yet? I haven't Patrick? had one yet. John on, showed up with ninety dollars worth of cake. King cake. Get on our level, dude. What, what is the place called, John? And and Dre, and Dre? Adrian Adrian's, Adrian's Bakery. Shout out on, to Adrian. On, uh, Paris and Mirabu. On Paris and Mirabu. Let's go. Wait man. on Paris and Mirabu. Where yeah. is? That shit got us hype in here. Strip mall. Strip mall. There's a subway. Yep. It used to be a restaurant. Um. Nah, but seriously, wait, wait. Italian pie used to be there. Yeah, yeah right oh, next wait. Door. oh wait, right wait. next door where the yeah. subway is. Yep. And like, uh, a, uh, wait, wait, wait. There's so a, the, the yeah, all right. Dollar store, Dollar Chinese, and... the Chinese places. Okay. Right oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they got like yeah. they got like the Saver Center, and they got yeah. that Chinese drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it used yeah. to be a Popeyes before. You can get acai in there though. You know that? What is? There's a place that serve acai bowls. You don't know acai over there. I know. Actually, like uh, Patrick lives, like, you, Patrick like lives like around the corner from this. I, I call it a Kai bowls, but Kai knows I say he. I think a I'm not educated. You from New Orleans? No, you just from New Orleans. I want to say that too. I was like, I never forget <laughs> driving to California, and, and I was following uh, my partner. Uh, shout out to Norris, and then, what happened to my volume? Oh, there we go. And then uh, see how you cut me off. He started. 
Come on, pickle Rick. But um, uh, no, seriously, no. But the the no, I'm sorry, bro. If y'all like it, I'm, 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 I won't call you that again. Yeah. I'm not. I won't call you that again. So um, driving to California, I we passed uh passed through um. This is after Tucson. Katrina, right? Yeah, it was a job I had. It was uh, oh, okay. Okay. Stalker is the name of the TV show with Dylan McDermott and Maggie Q or whatever. Uh, okay. But we're driving and we drive through Tucson. Um, I'm going, yeah, man, I just passed Tucson. Tucson. <laughs> you know, like, I think we should pull over, get something to eat. Like, we just, Tucson. I mean, I just got to Tucson, dude. Like, and he cracking up laughing, just like you are right now, Perez. And I'm like, what, bro? Like, come on, man, I'm hungry. Like, let's pull over, let's go find a fucking burger or something. I just, I see the sign that said Tucson, so. Motherfucker say, man, that's Tucson, man. You know, yeah, man. We in Arizona, wrong. Get with it. You know, I'm from New Orleans, bro. That should look like Tucson. And then we got fucked up where he's like, you know, um, Natchitoches. I mean, yeah. that would fuck no, me up if I didn't. If you don't know how to say Natchitoches, like, Good luck. that's yeah. funny. Yeah, if you need some luck, uh, we got an episode 703 coming there at we, you. There we go. Yeah. Who we got on 703? <laughs> Who's on 703? 703. So, th- speaking of luck, it actually is because we got some cool shit on this. And one. it's out right now. It is, 703 is out. It is our Mardi Gras ish episode. Um, and we we did that because we're trying to get away from Mardi Gras. Like, like we, we released it in, in January early. Because um, Mardi Gras is fucking early. <laughs> everybody, anybody that's not listening to this from New Orleans, it's just like everything shuts down. You can't, yeah, you, you can't, know. you can't mail a letter. Like <laughs> you just gotta just roll with it. So you, uh, to, you actually, that's the old. I don't know if any does any other city allow you to go home early because you live in a certain neighborhood. Because, <laughs> I live in the yeah, because you can't, you once, can't get around. You get yeah, five yeah, o'clock, you're done. Yeah, you can't get in to your house at a certain time. So it's like. Yeah, so for people that don't know, that aren't from New Orleans, like, Mardi Gras is like two, well, Carnival is long, but like, Mardi Gras is like, roughly like two weekends, but like, a little bit more. A little bit more. I mean, there's some some in and outs, but but roughly, you got those two weeks of parades, and if you live on the route, you're done. Yeah. Oh, it definitely ramps up. Yeah. Well, and there's no there's no way of enter, entering, it's called the box, basically. Yeah. yeah you, uh, you, rap on Tulis, Calliope. St. Charles. Are you saying words people? No. They think, well, they, it's funny. <laughs> were you, I don't know if you were on this room, but like we did Rap City, and I remember the the, the producers. Uh, it was Corey Bush, Corey Williams. Shout out to Corey. Uh, we were doing uh, Rap City, and uh, they they showed up. They flew in Mardi Gras day, and we met them, and we were mystical. So. Like shit is insane. Like this is when mystical was like at its height of of popularity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so and mystical was cool, 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 cool. And so we met him uptown, and no, we we met him on um on on broad. But we ended up going uptown to go to because they wanted to see the parades, blah blah blah. And and they had no idea where we were going, whatever. We end up getting trapped because like if you on the riverside of St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Like you ain't getting yeah, across. Yeah. Like you like they're like, oh, we want to go to Bourbon Street. It's like ah. And then the, the other thing is they like we want to shoot with Lil Boosie and Mystical on Bourbon Street <laughs> during Mardi like Mardi Gras Day. Empire, good luck. And we were just like, who you no. Are. But the thing that this is this is this is an interesting story though. Like so while we were 
like kind of arguing with the producers um, and trying to explain to the producers that like, yo, this is not like feasible. Some dude rolls up with a camcorder and is like, Mystical, it's Chi-Town, baby. And he's like pointing it at <laughs> Mystical. And Mystical was like just like a regular like, hey, guys, we can't blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden he turned around to the dude and was like, <laughs> and did his thing. He like rapped for like two minutes and like, shout out for the town blah, 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 blah. Dapped him off. The dude walked away like looking at his camera like he just recorded the greatest thing in his life. And Mystical turned back around. It's like, yeah, we ain't gonna be able to. We, there's no fucking way we're gonna be able to cross St. Charles right now. We're gonna have to go all the way to fuck back. If, uh, if I'm correct, well, we're just talking about Mardi Gras and how, like, well, well segue into the calendar. Well, the, well, yeah. No, but the other thing that's, that, 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 uh, while, while you guys were recording Tuck another uh, podcast earlier, uh, Joel Jackson uh, and I were talking about that, like, Mardi Gras, we dropped these podcasts on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, well, who are we dropping on Mardi Gras Day? And I was like, that's disrespectful. Mm. Like, we can't drop a podcast on Tuesday. Like, because you're just going to get buried. It's no. like, you it know. Nothing else matters. Well, it's it's, it's, it's the one day a year that doesn't count, that doesn't even. It's a regular Tuesday everywhere else. And here it's just like. I, I when I was a kid, I like I, I like Mardi Gras better than Christmas. Yeah, Mardi Gras like, has always been my favorite. But it's it's funny. Probably. It's like when I when when I talk to friends that aren't from here, and I'm like, they're like, oh, I got kids. I was like, oh, you should come down for Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah, and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Your mind. <laughs> but it's 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 a family event. So I don't know if that if we did just a PSA. Maybe the Louisiana tourism guy will give us some money <laughs> or whatever. Look, exactly. if you need if you need tickets to this year's Mardi Gras, I got got them a hundred dollars. I got them. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I get you right. I got the VIP package too. You could go to Bourbon. You can go see. Well, dude, I tell you what. I also couldn't tell you where you got the shoes at. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, exactly. The, the coolest thing is that they're selling the fucking tickets to the uh, grandstands now. Oh yeah, yeah. and They've I think that's, that's awesome. I, I love the fact that because like a couple of years ago, I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. And I, I like, oh, I've always had access to it. I, I don't know how that works. I mean, I, I guess it's that always shit. that's not my. That's yeah, not you get to, it, not, yeah, you don't get. You, get stuck I, you know what? I used I used to think that, and then I started when I was a kid. We knew uh, uh, Ernest uh, Morial. Yeah, when he got in the who office, was the, who was the mayor? Who was, was the mayor? He's the first black mayor of New Orleans, and we kind of were in with that group a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I was able to get. Uh, we we started getting passes to Gallia Hall for the parades. And I was like, I don't want to go sit in the stands. I'm not gonna catch nothing. But yeah, that's the same they thing. They literally bombard you no, in, 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 in there. Yeah, it's a different. So, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. The thing about Mardi Gras for me though is like getting out and and I mean, um, before I had kids, it was like more about wandering around, and I mm-hmm. think about it more as a kid uh, than I do as an adult. As an adult, you kind of you get more stationary. As a kid, you become a teenager and. You oh, want to yeah. walk around and see shit and wander off. Like, yeah. you don't want to hang with your parents on Mardi Gras. No, and that's, mm. I, 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 so I've been straight edge for 14 years now. And I just. What does that lost, mean? Straight no, <laughs> so straight edge. edge. That's the same thing we're talking about. You Meanwhile, room is <laughs> sucking down a daiquiri. It's like, what that mean? <laughs> straight edge. It's, it's, uh, yeah. so. So, congratulations. Yeah, well, but the whole point is that I remember before that, I spent two and a half weeks drunk. I literally was just like, oh, I, I when I worked at Borders, Same we problem. had two weeks uh, of vacation time. I, Mardi Gras was early like it is this year. I took the last week of fucking January off. The new fiscal year started in February. I took the first week of February off and then took a couple of days on top of that. So I spent the entire... 
fucking Friday night through Wednesday of Mardi Gras inebriated. I would wake up and fucking not know where I was and just start boozing again. And I remember people were like, John, what is out of control? And then I was getting all kinds of complaints because I like would run into. I would <laughs> complaints. Go, yeah, I would you go. Like, there was like a like a like a place where like a what is it? Dude, like I, a drop box. I, a drop yeah. box. Like yeah. I would go show up to work and like park there because this was we were on veterans, so I could like park there and just like booze it up oh, in yeah. Fat City. And people would come out and be like, ah, what's up, fuck you, you're stuck in this dumb And they'd just be like, John Wood is out of control. Don't get anywhere near him while he's like that. They kind of call me into work because I was a merchandising supervisor. And I was like walking sideways, fucking wasted. This podcast is all about uh, wrestling, hot dog bar, and in, John talking about all these eight, random, random jobs well, no, that he's had. The whole point being that like. a citywide nuisance. Yeah. Was, no, I was a fat city nuisance. Every, everyone, everyone had their complaints in. Make thanks sure you to, get your We got to get some Fat City Nuisance t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Where's Fats. Joe? Hey, Joe. Where's call Joe? call up here, Gabe. Joe. Call, call up Gabe. Joe, we need, uh, we need Joe, Fat City. Joe, come in for a second. We yeah, need a print. We need a print. Fat City ain't there no more, dude. It, no, but not. it is. It up. It, no, but mm. do you remember? It, me and you had this conversation. Uh-huh. I'm sorry if I'm loud, Rich. No, Joe, we need some. No, we need a t-shirt print. Thing just just for the notes for today. Yeah, write show. these notes. This, this note is just that Fat City Nuisance. Fat nuisance. City Nuisance on the front and then time code Nola on the back. <laughs> yeah, but it is one of those. The whole thing. I mean, I, I literally like woke up with a fucking sausage in my pocket one day because I just <laughs> oh was like, fucking hot dog bar. <laughs> the, the birth of the, the fucking weenie hot wheel dog bar. again. The weenie wheel. The weenie wheel wins again. I just it was it was, but that's the whole thing is that Mario was fun and then now I'm old and curmudgeon I'm like I don't want to go that no it's great busy, it, it, if if you're not from New Orleans and you listen to this come to Mardi Gras we'll hang out no, it's fun it's, it's just fun. we have a good time but, but yes but of fun. let's talk about the films like we 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 have some we have some great interviews we we do and, and we got some great films on it on top of yeah. that one of which is you haven't seen it very many places uh, even including um, festivals locally. Which is Keeper of the Flame? Yes, that Brian, is Big Chief Brian Nelson. He did this. Uh, I've been knowing. I've been knowing uh, uh, Brian Nelson, Big Chief Brian Nelson for I, I'm, since he was in high school. He mm-hmm. had a uh, nope, he had a yeah. film because he's always been part of the uh, masking black masking Indians in New Orleans forever, and is he he was uh, the youngest chief um, ever to be able to be you know Big Chief. But he when I met him, he did a, a, a PSA. And uh, went to Sundance, and I remember he was like asking me for advice, and I was like, "Dude, you got, you, you just came back from Sundance. Like, I need to talk to you about what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, you you seem to know what's going on. But it's since crazy. then, he's been, but he's also been doing a lot of interesting stuff uh, with Jonathan Demi now Brooklyn. Oh yeah, um, Guardians of the Flame, which is the documentary about their group. That that. It's kind of come out. It's it's done a couple of festivals. It's kind of done a couple of screenings. Um, Keeper of the Flame that was his USC thesis, yeah. which he's also, he went he went to USC. Yeah, and the thing he tells a story which I probably shouldn't even get into it because he let's just roll the interview. Yeah, let's go to interview how he got into USC. I'm here with Brian Nelson, director of Keeper of the Flame, a film that we will be showing for an episode three. Uh, Really interesting story. We've talked a couple uh, for a little bit with Brian before, and um, just so much to talk about with it. Thank you for stepping in today. I appreciate it. Thank y'all for having me. So uh, we kind of talked about it before, but tell me how you kind of got started into filmmaking. I know that you you had kind of gone to school, and you were kind of talking before about with a 
um, how being the big chief and all and how coming up through that had kind of influenced you a little bit. Um, but so you started at NOCA and then you wound up at USC, correct? Yeah, I had a little bit of a journey. Um, I started off at NOCA in the theater department and I was in high school. Uh, but then um, in college, I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts and uh, I didn't I didn't stay there. Uh, I, I decided to leave, uh, but I went there for, for filmmaking for one year and uh, I, just, I, just, I, I, I didn't like the program uh, too much. It wasn't for me. Uh, and so I came home to uh, New Orleans and I was at University of New Orleans, you know. And uh, by this time when I left North Carolina School of the Arts, uh, I came home to do the beginning of my junior year in, in, in undergrad. So I did my whole junior year, that was all good. Then the, the first week of my senior year, <laughs> Katrina hits. The first week. So I, I, I finished off over at Texas Southern University. And that was the best experience in the world, going to HBCU, um, changed my life. And at the time, I really needed it because I was in, actually in Houston alone. Um, my family had to come back to New Orleans because, you know, we're, they were activists, artists, activists. So I was there alone. I mean, I'm a little 21-year-old kid, you know, Katrina hit, homeless, you know what I'm saying? So uh, all my, my family and friends at TSU, the ones that got me through, but while I was at TSU in, my, in, in the fall that year, um, uh, this was like in, in, in November, uh, my, the Guardians of the Flame, we were invited by the U.S. government to go uh, to Sri Lanka, India, somewhere else, like Abu Dhabi and Dubai, to represent New Orleans and America. And we performed and did cultural exchanges to, to, to say thank you to those countries for the help that they extended to New Orleans during uh, that that they were extending to New Orleans at that time and post Katrina, uh, we had to make a stop in New York for like a rehearsal for rehearsals for like about five days before we went overseas, and my uh, <laughs> it was all my the films that I had made in the past had gone out had in 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 the storm they because we lost our homes we lost everything and so we lost a lot of Indian suits we lost I, I lost those films. So, but my number one choice was USC, and USC uh, did not have, uh, but they were the only school, they were the only school that, for graduate school, that did not require us to, at the time, to, to turn in uh, actual made film, just a writing sample. And from and that's what I did, and I got my recommendations together. My recommendations came from a uh, born and raised New Orleanian, Anthony Dominici, who was a great friend and mentor to me at the time. He was uh, the executive producer of uh, America's Next Top Model with Tyra Banks, and also uh, who uh, uh, another person who was uh, uh, a good friend to me and who was really kind to me, uh, David, Mr. David Arquette from the movie Screen. And so, 
<laughs> I had a, I had a, a signed, sealed, and delivered recommendation letter from Coquette Productions uh, from him. Where did that come from? Because <laughs> I'm the man, baby. <laughs> no, because, um, man, just hustling in these New Orleans film streets, you know. I was, I, I, I was PAing, um, interning. I wouldn't even get paid. I was interning on this movie called Happy Here and Now, directed by Michael Elmerada, um, starring uh, uh, Clarence Williams the third, And it was starring David. And me and David, man, I was an intern PA. And me and David, we got real cool, right? And we was, uh, like, uh, in between scenes, in between scenes and stuff, we was, like, chit-chatting about music and stuff. And we was talking about Lil Wayne and all kinds of stuff, like David Arquette, right? <laughs> so we got cool, and, you know, you like, yo, you ever need anything? You know, I'll let me. Gave me his information. I was like, Katrina hit, and I need a recommendation. I was like, Dave, help your boy out. And he came through for me. I was I was at TSU when it, when he came through for me. And, uh, but that was, that, that was uh, I don't mean to sidetrack, but that was really cool, because at the time, when I was when I was an intern on Happening Here and Now, I actually got accepted. I, not accepted, I was asked. I didn't even apply for this. They called me and asked me to come to Sundance. Sundance did and show my my PSA short film that I had made. It was a special PSA because I used it was about um, you know keep in mind I'm like 18 years old at this time and so. Uh, it was a PSA I made for New Orleans kids that were my age through the through the Novak program and teen program, and so it was it was about uh, anti drugs, anti it was anti drugs and anti violence, like gun violence, and the anti violence, the anti drugs was the culture, the second line culture, and more the Grandian culture, and so. Um, I was invited and honored. Uh, they, they showed the film and they honored me as being an emerging, like, I guess, the youth filmmaker. And they flew me out there, had all expenses paid. And the executive producers of Happening Here and Now were actually premiering 3 a.m. out there at the same time. So I, I'm 18 years old, out there by myself, uh, went to the red carpet with them, walked the red carpet with them, Sit at the premiere, sitting next to Pam Greer, and and and, and um, uh, uh, God, what's the guy? What's the guy's name? Uh, from uh, Lethal Weapon, the black guy, Danny, Danny Glover. Oh man, I'm 18 years old, straight from New Orleans, Night Ward. I'm. This is blowing my mind. But yeah, that was my introduction and and into everything. But long story short, I wound up at years years later graduate school, wind up at USC, fresh off Katrina. The PSA that you did, was that part of NOCA, or was that just something that you did? That was Novak. Novak, New I'm Water sorry. Access Center. And, and so, Novak, what kind of work were you doing with them? Did they ask you for that one, or you just kind of, did they kind of give you some support to come on over them, or how did you get a little relationship with them? But I, uh, well, at the time, Amy was the director over there, and... I had been wanting to go for like years, a few years, and but I, 
and it was like I think a summertime program, but in the summertime, I, we were touring a lot. So I wasn't able to do that. At the Guardians of the Flame, we were touring overseas and things, performing. So, um, but this one summer, um, in my senior year, uh, we, I guess there was some time. I had time that year. And so I went and uh, I made that, that PSA, the Mardi Gras Indian second line, and second line PSA. And the next year, yeah, um, Sundance came calling. And so when you went to USC, uh, Keeper of the Flame is your thesis there, right? Yes, yes. So I made, I made that as my thesis uh, because I wanted it to be my first feature film. And so what better way to do that than make it as a short first as my calling card? So that's when I, and it was crazy because I'm in all my writing classes, my thesis writing classes, and I'm trying to explain to these folks <laughs> what the hell I'm talking about. They, they thought it was, this is something that I was making up. Because people at USC didn't know me as Big Chief Brian. Just knew me as Brian, you know? So, but I, but um, my, one, of, one of my teachers in, in, encouraged, because I said, well, when I, was, when I was writing it, I was like, man, I don't know. Are they gonna feel me on this? Cause these people don't know this, this, what this tradition is. And I, I, and there was a point when I was working on it at USC, writing it in my thesis classes, and I started to shy away from it. I was like, I should just do something regular. <laughs> and I, I went and had a talk with my, with one of my professors, Miss Mary Beth, Professor Mary Beth, and Professor Mary Beth. Um, and also uh, Pro Professor uh, Dencham, the both of them, they 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 encouraged me to to stay true to to who I am and to my story, and that and not not to stray from that. And what made you switch over? You were you said you were in theater uh, when you were at NOCA. What made you actually switch to film? You know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna tell you all the truth. I'm gonna tell you all the truth. Um, when I was at NOCA, they put a lot of pressure on us, um, at least on me, I'm going to say me. I can't speak for nobody else. But I was, I, was, I was a little chunky, overweight, and they put a lot of pressure on me um, to lose weight. And they did it in a way that was, that, that was just really embarrassing me. They were embarrassed. The teachers would embarrass me in front of the class. And they, they uh, one of them in particular, I'm not gonna say his name, but he told me that because of my weight, I would never make it as an actor. And he told me that I was disgraceful. And that, that, that played a lot into me not pursuing acting after that. That's that's I know a lot about that, but then yeah, I and, do too, bro. I'm working on it. But I, I always love stories like that though, because it kind of you wind up where you're supposed to be to a degree because of things like that. And then you we had mentioned. Well, I, I'll say this. Let me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut oh, yeah. you off. But looking at the time, you know, my mother wanted me to. She had a lawyer. She wanted me to sue. But I was so self-conscious about myself because of that and just teasing, too, as a child, that I didn't want to sue because I felt like I would be under 
this magnoscope, like people looking at me and my body. And so, and I just couldn't deal with it. So, but I, I, as an adult now, and, and not a 16-year-old child, you know, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm talking to my younger self, I would say, fuck them, <laughs> keep doing you. Amen to that. You know what I'm saying? No, I know exactly about that. And but this, I mean, luckily it kind of led you to the path where you're on right now, yeah. where you, we had mentioned the Keeper of the Flame. Uh, you had wanted to do it as a feature, and but it looks like that might be coming together now. Oh right? yeah, oh it's coming. So um, there's another documentary out that I'm involved with called Guardians of the Flame, and it's about our family, but it was directed by Jonathan Demi. Um, Brooklyn, his son, took it over along with Daniel Wolf when he passed. And, then, and Jonathan was a close mentor of mine. He had a lot to do with Keeper of the Flame. Um, he was a father figure to me. Um, so Brooklyn took it over, took the documentary over. And from there, me and Brooklyn are now co-producing the feature for Keeper of the Flame. And that's, that's, that's what's next. That's all. When you said he was a father figure, how, how did you get involved with Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan came came to us to, to in post Katrina, like in two thousand. Man, it was still two thousand five, <laughs> like after Katrina, to 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 make a documentary about our family, and he 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 filmed this documentary up until he passed. Um. So, uh, during that during that process, I can show y'all pictures of me and him. Uh, shooting the doc, he, uh, we, we became very close. Um, and he was just not just only an industry mentor, but a, like I said, a father figure to me, um, especially at a time when my father had just passed. And, and, um, and I, I love, I love him dearly. Uh, so much of what I know as a filmmaker, uh, you know, I was taught by him. I had, <laughs> You know, like like a lot of like I'm also a musician, so so much of what I know as a musician was I, I, I learned from my uncle Donald. So you know, it's the same thing with, with with Jonathan as a filmmaker. I feel like I have two types of education in music and film. That money just can't buy. That is very true. And then talking about music, you also are a musician. Yes. How did how, how did that come about? Is that because it's part of the family? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was born. I'm a Harrison, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we, we, I've been making Marty Grand in music since probably before I could even talk. So it's just a natural thing for me. Um, and so, you know, we, 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 have, we, we have been touring all over the world since I was a little boy. I've been everywhere um, making music, as a, making Marty Grand in music and doing stage shows. But uh, I recently um, branched off and 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 did a spinoff of the Guardians of the Flame, a, a spinoff project, which is a uh, the uh, Mardi Gras Indian music fused with bounce and jazz. It's called Nouveau Bounce, and it features myself, and it also features uh, assist from my uncle Donald, Big Chief Donald Harrison, and my cousin Kristen Scott. And my entire album is produced by uh, Black and Mild. Uh, my first single is called Unane. It, it features Juvenile and Hot Sizzle, Christian and Donald and Allie Baby. 
and uh, Angelica Jelly Joseph. It's coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don yeah, Donald worked with Spike a lot, especially on uh, Mo Better Blues. And you know, he he's just been in the industry all over from movies, T V, um, other genres of music like hip hop, you know. Um so just seeing seeing my uncle always all over the place, even in the film industry. You know, that, that played a, a, a big part for me because that was always giving me a taste of the movie industry. And then also with people coming to film us, the Guardians of the Flame making documentaries about us all the time with that camera in my face, that played a lot into it too. And also, you know what? Another thing that played a lot to me getting into film was that when I was about eight years old, my mother made a documentary called... Uh, I believe it was called Look Within Guardians of the Flame. And she she won a few awards for it. She didn't know what she was doing. And she'll tell you that herself. She she just she hired um uh, uh my boy uh Pablo and and Pablo connected with her and she made she directed a documentary and she, the cameras, she had the cameras following us for like a year. This came from within the culture. Because there were so many other people filming us. She was like, we got to tell our own story. So that really was the beginning of Keep It the Flame. And I was a little boy. I'm telling you, I was like eight years old. That We even went on tour to Martinique, and the cameras came there to Martinique. Okay? And filmed us there. It's called Guardians of the Flame, a review from within. That documentary came out like around 1992 or 93. And it's a two-part documentary. It was, it was it was something serious at the time, but um, it really it really taught me that it, it that was my first really looking to like how a movie is made. Just having the like having the doc, having the cameras follow me all the time as a little boy, and that really that really was the first seed for 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 filmmaking for me. It was from my mama. One of the things that that's pretty cool talking about your mom influencing that she's the first Margaret Indian to make a film about Margaret Indians, right? Yes, she directed a film called Guardians of the Flame, A View from Within in 1992, I believe. If it wasn't 92, it was 93. And she was the first ever participant of the Mardi Gras Indian culture to make a film about the Mardi Gras Indian culture. And she gets absolute, nobody ever talks about this film. And she won a couple awards for it as well. And there were there were cameras, multiple cameras, and a producer, Pablo, following us for a, a year, making this film. There's a part one and a part two of this film. It's like two DVDs. And and um, she she, it was groundbreaking, for me at the time. Um, you know, and she she never gets in. Nobody talks about this film. Um, and and it's a sad because she's it's like she's a black woman, you know, who made a who I, I, from my account this is history making, and I just feel like she needs to get her flowers for this film. And and to that point, 
She's getting her flowers for the film, but also it seems like a lot of other people are getting a lot more credit for coming in, like you had said, kind of following all around, but not actually being part of the culture. Yes, that happened. That has happened. That's the Keeper of the Flame. That's part of why she made that film. That's part of why I made Keeper of the Flame, because I just had cameras in my face since I was a little boy all the time. Up until this moment, actually. <laughs> Fair game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, bro, you got it. <laughs> well, that, well, that's, well, that's one of the things, because you I'm mentioned... Just playing with oh, no. Trust me. Me go way back, man. Well, that's how we kind of started talking about this a while back, about when we were trying to program stuff, and he was like, yeah, yeah reach out to Brian. And that was one of the yeah. things, was um, randomly, Renee Broussard was having a screening uh, on January 6th for uh, Guardians of the Flame. Yes. And well, this, is a di- this is a different Guardians of the Flame than the one that was made in '92. Gotcha. And the what, new one. Well, and what's a little bit different because you said like Jonathan was a father figure to you. Yes. What was different about the way his approach compared to other people who just kind of come in and just get in your face and? Yeah. So my grandmother, the matriarch of this family, you know, she's the real big chief. Whatever she says, I'm gonna do. We're all going to do. And so, she had a. They had a relationship. And she loved Jonathan. My grandmother said, we'll work with Jonathan, do his film, no questions asked. So that was basically it. My grandmother had a relationship, a really good relationship with Jonathan. And, and, and so she told us to do it, and that's what we did. But if it wasn't, if it wasn't for her relationship with Jonathan, um, no, we, 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 because we, we don't do, we don't do, people's documentaries no more. So, but that was the best thing in the world for me because, I, like I said, the Jonathan became more than a friend but a father figure to me. Tell me a little bit, because we haven't really touched on it, just how you got to where you are as far as the big chief. Uh, yeah. You had said it was your grandfather handed it down to you. Mm-hmm. My, well, my grandfather groomed me since I was a baby, you know, and he, he, he handed it, this, he, pat, he knew he was passing. And he even, when we record, when the Guardians of the Flame, we were recording our first album, New Way Pocky Way. And he was dying at the time. And he was in the hospital, and he built himself out the hospital, came to the studio with his wristband on, and recorded a song called Flames Are Leaving Now. Sampai Barnes is on that, on that uh, song, playing accordion. It's like a Mardi Gras Indian Zydeco mashup. And in the song, Flames Are Leaving Now, he's saying he's leaving. And he starts the song off, and then he passes the lead in the song to me. And in that moment, he's saying in the song, I'm giving you the, the gang. It's yours now, and I'm leaving. And, and, he, and we recorded that song. And he left the studio, went back to the hospital, and died a week later. And he wanted to put, he, he knew what was happening. He wanted to put it on wax to make sure there was absolutely no confusion of who the new big chief of the Guardians of the Flame were. And that was the thing that's interesting to me because you had kind of mentioned there was like a split at some point in time, right? You were having some... Well, that was in the movie. Gotcha. That was in the movie. Now, the movie is loosely based on my life, but there was a split because... At the time, when I became the chief of the Guardians, I actually was automatically invited to come into the the, uh, the Mardi Gras, the 
uh, Mardi Gras Indian Council, Council of Chiefs. But that only lasted a few months <laughs> because the Council of Chiefs uh, dropped me, told me that I couldn't be a part of, I, and I'm 16 years old now, I'm the youngest chief in history at the time, I couldn't be a part of the Mardi Gras Indian Council. And because I was too young. and But this is the time when I just lost my grandfather and I needed those black men around me to uplift me. Uh, not just uplift me, but to also teach me the game of the culture, how to be a, how to be a chief. How to, how, my grandfather taught me, but how to continue, but, but to continue, you know, my, my training. And they dropped me. And that, 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 that's, that, that, that went into making Keeper of the Flame too. Because I have that in the movie. Because a lot of black men in our community feel like older black men have given up on them and dropped the ball on them as well when they needed them. And so I made, you know, this movie is about the culture, but this movie is about being a young black man in America too and, and, and the plight that that, that that brings. So I made this movie to help young black men. Um, and to help them navigate certain situations that uh, that comes with being black, a black man. There's not a lot of movies that, that cater to, to us in that way, especially in a positive way. They know how to tell us how to shoot our brother, kill our brother, snort some crack, smoke some crack, however they do it. I don't know. I ain't never did no crack. But <laughs> that's, a, that's a line. I ain't never did no crack. But... They tell us how to do all the negative things. Go get somebody pregnant and leave her. Go on, do it. The women, go go and, you know, pop that thing and whatever. You know, hey, my thing is what I bring to the game, I'm, I portray the black experience in a positive light. Everybody, y'all do what y'all want to do. This is what I do. This is what I do. From my film, to my music, to my suits, my regalia. I'm going to always portray the black experience as an, in a positive way. Because that's teaching other young black people how to be kings and queens. You know? With Keeper of the Flame, it's to show young black men and young black women. Michael was a chief. You can be a chief too. You ain't got to put these feathers on to be a chief. Look how he lived his life. You can be a chief and a king by the way you live your life. And don't let the media, the movies, the TV, the music tell you that you're anything less. That's the kind of content I'm making. Because that's what my grandfather told me to make. My chief told me to make that content. That was a direct order. So that's what I make. I can't think of a better way to end that one than that. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. Brian. Big Chief Brian, sorry. Get a little respect <laughs> yeah. to that, Brian. Put some respect on my name. Thank <laughs> you. I'm a tree of y'all. <laughs> I appreciate it immensely getting letting us come in here today. Man, that was awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. And congratulations on bringing uh, Town Code Nola mm -hmm. back, baby.
Yeah, I can't say enough. This was an awesome interview to do. Uh, I actually felt really lucky to get it. Well, it's, it's exciting because it's like it's the time where there's so much activity where you, there's, it's like nonstop sewing. And if you've yeah. never seen a Mardi Gras Indian um, uh, or a black masking Indian, uh, you should come to New Orleans and visit and see it for yourself. And it's Mardi a, Gras Day is the one day they prepare for. It's the one day of the year that they prepare for, and then they would show their costumes again, if you're lucky, at St. Saint jo- Saint Joseph night. Yeah. Which is after Mardi Gras, and then Super Sunday and all that other stuff. But it's a, it's a lot of culture here, and it's a big part of, a, of who we are in New Orleans. And... Um, I think even if you are not a part of a tribe or a gang, as they call it, it not in in brutal terms, not in the LA terms, not in but, the LA yeah. terms, but um, I don't know if LA, is, yeah, it's, it's just like it's a, a masking gang. And it's, for... it's more about harmony and community and and singing together and um, fellowship. I think Which is it's it's also yeah. like. I mean, it's art at the the utmost. Like the sewing I mean, and it's the, the best yeah, of all. The beading, the bee work is insane. Yeah. Well, and, and you'll probably see a little bit more also coming from him because we talked about about his mom and all, and and so uh, we're looking forward to getting some more interactions with Big Chief Brian. But we also uh, got to sit down with Jonathan Jackson and and get a couple of his films. Uh, one of his films in a trailer for a feature he has coming up, uh, Who in the Morning, because you can also see that coming up at the end of February. Uh, the dates changed. I remember we had Gian Smith on here before. but they We got, got a, we got a full podcast uh, conversation yep. with John, too, which is yeah. really Yes, we great. do. And it, great stuff. And yes. he has Who in the Morning coming out, and then uh, he gave us some of his short films. The one that we're going to be doing first is Black Maybe, starring Jaron Mitchell, um, <laughs> famously now of Queen Sugar amongst a couple other things. Um it's it's really interesting. It's kind of like a little sixteen or eight super eight kind of millimeter small gauge looking film. Um so it gets a little interesting in that. Well we also have Renee Broussard sat down for an interview. Um so we have a video interview with Renee also has a podcast coming up a little bit talking about the Zeitgeist because it's been thirty fucking years or something. Well, like that. Zeitgeist for for people that don't know, Zeitgeist is is an independent um, um, art theater. I guess. I mean, it's what what is their 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 uh, thing? They're for and against everybody or something. <laughs> they, they, they have a. Uh, I forgot exactly where Renee's. Uh, yeah, it's it's <clears throat> it, you equally offend everyone, but also have something for you with each one. And it's yeah. but I mean, it, but they've been at it for thirty years and. Um, and it's I didn't realize that that uh, they started at movie pictures. Mm-hmm. They started at screenings at movie pictures, but but it's always he's always supported, um, you know, some of the most interesting cinema and time code in general. Yeah. Oh, and I time code. Having yeah. screenings there like in two thousand and four. Yeah. Well, he's always been very, very supportive yeah. of us and, and just the community in general. They used to do yeah. these things that were uh, Courtney Egan. Um, shout out to Courtney and Helen Hill. I think was yeah. involved with it as well. They would do these uh, sort of uh, filmmaker potlucks, where people would bring a dish and then they would bring maybe a scene or or like thing you know rough cuts. I don't know if you remember that room. Yeah, but I, like, remember. I remember. And people that would scream stuff, day. but it was it was just a, a it was a dope place because um, it's 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 hard to remember a time when like now everyone is so um, used to being a creator or a filmmaker and they they, they got a, a, a film. You know, they got all the tools in their pocket, which is great. But back then it was like, you know, there was only a handful of like misfit toys 
that were able to do it and there wasn't a lot of places to see it. And, um, and so like, uh, you know, Zeitgeist was one of those places that not only, um, you know, gave a, a platform, but actually like, uh, you know, influenced people uh, to kind of stir the pot and try to make stuff. So it was really great. Yeah. Renee was actually in episode one, uh, was a Zeitgeist interview. So he was, uh, Oh yeah, he was, in, he, yeah, he was, he was <clears throat> right off the top. Yeah. That's how I remember that interview, man. It was oh yeah, and that was that was a long time ago. Long time, ago. Jesus. Um, but uh, John, just to, to get back to John a little bit, um, John Jackson has has always been he's been hustling for a long time, and um, and grinding and trying to get things off the ground, and and it's you know it's not easy for everybody, and like we've all kind of like slid into like maybe work areas and he's done the same thing, but he's always trying to get these films off the ground and he's starting to starting to get some traction. And um and that's really, really great. Yeah, and he's serious about what he's no, doing. He's always it, been it, always it, been serious. It's, so if you're not familiar with John Jackson, please refer back to he the put on his sexy episode. voice for a second. <laughs> for the last if, uh, I clear my fucking throat, man. Um, no, but seriously, if if you don't know who John Jackson is check out the podcast. Check out the podcast last last episode, I think it was. Something so, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So um, no pressure, Rick. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and you'll get to kind of know who he is and his perspective on filmmaking, which yeah. uh, is very interesting. And and, uh, and he's also made a film about Mardi Gras Indians, yeah. which yeah. Yeah. That's, that's doing he's its run, right? Of, uh, yeah, he's kind of doing a, um, a trilogy on, on that mm-hmm. type of thing because he did uh, the one... Um, Big Chief Blackhawk. Big, Big Chief Blackhawk. Yep. And then he did the one in uh, the one in Trinidad, right? Yes, that's who in the morning. Yeah. Right. And then now he's trying to do another one, I think, in Barbados. I think he's trying oh, to. Wow. Like, I think Barbados is act, like Barbados Tourism Commission is actually trying oh, to get wow, him to come there wow. and do it. Just to, so, I go, I definitely, I, like, I love Barbados. But just the, the, so, the so, title. So, so the, Rome is thrown No, I'm, a, I'm always, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, John, bro. Hey, you yeah, a cameraman. Yeah, yeah. No, but just the title in, in itself, too, Who in the Morning. Mm-hmm. That's some New Orleans. Yeah. That's that's something, like, I would say in New Orleans, and people understand what I'm saying. Like, if I said that anywhere else, people are like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, so I I like the title. I'm mm-hmm. I haven't seen the film yet, but I like I, yeah. I like the the perspective on filmmaking that John has, and I got I got a lot of respect for him for that. And and while we're uh, talking about and I guess giving flowers to, to folks that that are that have made uh, culturally important films on Mardi Gras or whatever, we got to we got to throw our buddy Will Horton back out there, and then also well, Will. Also, uh, Royce Osborne, mm. um, who passed away, unfortunately, I don't know, now it's been several years, but uh, of cancer, but he uh, he made the uh, film All on a Mardi Gras Day mm. about uh, Black Carnival, and, and <clears throat> that, to me, is like one of those films that's a, yeah, that when people come into yeah. town, you gotta, you're like, if you want to know something about New Orleans, I'm, you know, this that's is what you got to watch, you know what I mean? And then we gotta we get we throw out a, a deep shout out uh, to to Les Blank too because Les did some really amazing talks well, way also, back in the day. We also leaving out uh, Zombie versus Mardi Gras. Oh, well. Will Frank, Will Frank yeah. and his gang. Y'all going man. way back, no? Yeah. No, that's not way back. I mean, it's way back. It's it's probably t- I don't know. I would have to pull out the the VHS copy of it. <laughs> but, yeah, the VHS. Will, again, what's the VHS? That's one of my Will is a brilliant. Uh, he does cartoons, comic strips, and comic books, and but uh, but that film, and he's made shorts, other shorts too, 
but that film I, just is one of those ones another uh, w- which will need to hunt him down I've, I've been kind of AWOL out of town and out, I don't know exactly where he's at but I'm sure he's around somewhere we'll catch up with him speaking of somebody else we're going to catch up with Pat Mir shout out to him for Cajun Mardi Gras We've done oh yeah yeah time. dance with a chicken yep and Speaking of chicken, look, I got a quick question. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, and this is just between us. Nobody else going to hear this. Papa. Trust me, nobody else listen. Fuck, marry, kill, all right? Churches suck. No, no. Churches suck. I didn't even mention churches. churches I didn't even mention churches, dude. I, He's I, mad I, I had churches chicken today. Yeah, no. And he didn't, I didn't bring him chicken. a two-piece. Chris-y-ass chicken. Next time I bring you, you like white right, Go ahead, dog, go ahead. Right. Right. Go ahead. <clears throat> like, all right, so fuck, marry, kill. You got... Poppy, Poppy, nah, Shut the fuck... <laughs> Manchu? No, listen. No, no, but we on the right, we on the right track. So right. cold fried chicken... Right. Mardi Gras. No, no Mardi Gras day. day. Yeah, no, Mardi Gras day. day. Yeah, 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 like, on the day. You got to have... For anybody that's not here, Pull you got to have chicken. Let me finish. All right, so all right. it's fuck, marry, kill. So we got three options. You got... All right, which one would you fuck, marry, or kill? So you got craw, uh, uh, cold chicken, crawfish, and then... Uh, Cro- cold like crawfish bro- or hot crawfish? Uh, do rolling with the ice chips, dude. Oh, okay, so it's cold. So, Nah, no, dude, rolling with the ice chest, okay. dog. When he busts it open, the steam you come know, out. But right now, it's too, it's too, it's too early in the season for uh, crawfish. No, but Mardi Gras day, we talking about. <clears throat> All right. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're basing right. this off of Mardi Gras, yeah, no, 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 and then no, no, no. and then okay. a daiquiri. All right. So which one? Which one is which? Cold chicken, like Popeyes, or no Mac Hardy's? Oh Mac Hardy's. Some cold Mac Hardy's. I, th- I think you're Ma- talking I New think, Orleans. I think, shit. I think, you're not talking. Right, right. Well, no, yeah. Popeyes worldwide was chain food chain. No, we but Popeyes, the, that recipe was 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 a seedling in this community. Um, I would say you have to marry the chicken, huh? What? You're not marrying the daiquiri. Uh, well, you're right. Uh, you on, fucked man. the daiquiri. Yeah. You fucked the daiquiri. All right. Like, but like, I don't like, know. Like, you gonna marry the chicken bread? You gonna marry Popeye's chicken? I, th- I think you married the chicken. Popeyes? But what's but the, not what's cold the pop, order? I'm talking about cold well, so chicken. It's, it's, like, what's the top? Cold fried chicken. Is the top fucking or the top marrying? No, but it, it depends. No, yeah. One is wait, one is. I would think you would say that the, the you know the marrying is just sort of the one that you're just gonna always have. I marry all them bitches. <laughs> <laughs> So you, gotta, a, you he, gotta, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's such a life. Yeah, I marry all the bitches, and yeah, no, that's not how it works, dog. So it's, look, it, listen, it's the New Orleans listen. The, let me say the options again: It's cold fried chicken. So think about the the fried chicken that you would eat cold on Mardi Gras day. Yeah, which would be Popeyes. Two pounds, two pounds of freshly hot boiled crawfish, and then a ice cold house special daiquiri. I kill a daiquiri. I kill a daiquiri. All right, Pe- a daiquiri. All right Perez first. Perez says, kill the, kill daiquiri, the daiquiri, marry the chicken, and then fuck the crawfish. Yeah. That sounds... That's what, that's that what, sounds, all right. Pat, what you... What you the, 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 the fucking crawfish are hot. You want to just, like, hit it real hit quick? Hit it real quick and go. <laughs> Drop the ears I, I got to marry... Oh, juicy and, like... I got to marry the daiquiri. What? what? Yeah, oh, man. Dang. Because it's Mardi Gras day. I don't want to get my hands all dirty. All right. While I'm yeah. trying to catch a coconut, oh, yeah. and then the right. chicken all cold, yeah. and it's sitting on the bench, and it's got yeah. ants on it, and you know. So what, you <laughs> fucking the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I, I have to I, fuck the crawfish. So, yeah. so <laughs> you kill the chicken off. That's cool. So, <laughs> this is just a a a, a, a a what is it? One of those little side stories yeah, is one time Rome uh, rode in Zulu. 
uh, and filmed, but he did a really bad job. It was a hard. But he was with our good friend. For a good friend, friend. we, we don't mention. We don't want to mention him. A very big star. Yeah, he's a huge star. Good friend of mine. Great friend. You might say he's an American star. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a he's a great he's a big star. <laughs> but it was funny because I. I that day for whatever normally you go out Mardi Gras day you try to get out there like six a.m. right like you start off like early. I got a late start, and so I'm just turned down Esplanade and I uh I start driving. That was it, that wasn't the uh what what do they call that fire truck? What's the fire it's truck? The fire truck. It's just a fire yeah, truck. It's a Zulu so it's a it's a Zulu truck. fire truck. It's like sought after. Everybody hangs on the fire truck, and I pull behind the fire truck. I don't know how they were just like we were waiting at the at, at Broad and uh and Esplanade and I'm behind the fire truck and Rome looks at me he's in complete blackface and the skirt the whole yeah. nine and they are just wasted it is like yes. eleven o'clock in the in the morning yes and they're like dude I filmed the the ground for, <laughs> I filmed looked, the ground we were looking footage. through the footage and it was it just was, the, it was the street. There was absolutely nothing on Dude, the Dude, so I had the camera rolling. It was just the fucking ground and beads on the ground. I was like, if this was a beads on the ground, Mardi Gras footage thing, I won. You, but you have, do you have a picture of you in that? Somehow I cut together. No, I don't. No, it, you but have, I had to get. I had to get. I had to get involved. I think of you and. I don't remember. I, I don't have a picture of it, but. Ask your listener. I'm sure, and I'm glad the World Wide Web because I would love to. Like po- we need to post that on nah, for but, Mardi Gras Day. But I can definitely ride in Zulu again. I love ride. That was the best Mardi Gras. These dudes had Crown Royal on a fucking tap on the side of the fire that's truck. The no, you, I'm not that's even joking. You gotta do it. That's where you gotta do it. And ice chest a bit like. Everybody was shit faced by the time we got to Orleans Avenue. It was, I mean, it was a disaster. Disaster. Them motherfuckers. It, it, was we had so much fun. We handed out, you know, a million coconuts. It was, I mean, it was fucking. And if you don't know what that means in New Orleans, <laughs> like you, you, it sounds like uh, chaos. It sounds chaos and and, and kind of like ah, that seems stupid. But nah, we're gonna we're gonna find that picture. Nah, this you is, know, hey. Yeah, no, but it, but it's it's well, this is sort of the Mardi Gras episode. Well, what so, I would so. what I would love to see is the well, Rick is Mardi Gras. We can Gras, use dude. a bumper of that. It might be a well, you know what up. I you know what we need to do because uh, uh, Patrick rode in Orpheus for many years and and um and I got I got weird pictures of me in truck parades. We should post one. we should post all our, and and I remember one time I ran into Rick. He was Man, dressed as Weird Al for Mardi Gras. <laughs> So like we need to like and we need to find uh, uh, a picture of uh, John uh, not John yeah uh, uh, John hammered in his borders books. Oh no, you're not you're not gonna <laughs> uniform. Find, uh, you'll not you'll not the find fucking, anything of me. Uh, I think fat I had one. City menace. What he said? The fat city <laughs> nuisance. <laughs> the nuisance. <laughs> The fat city nuisance. No, you'll you'll uh, back in those days. I did not get many pictures taken. I, there was one of me on a ladder oh or something. Oh, that's great. No, did you getting books for somebody off the? No, no, but no, I was just I was because a lot of people wouldn't park there, so it would just be this empty parking. I was like, fuck. So you, but you there. have a picture of you during Mardi Gras. I gotta go look for it. We're it's gonna a, post. Everybody's gonna post a. We're gonna on the time code thing. We're gonna we're gonna make a little montage. There might be one of me like on my hands and knees vomiting or something. <laughs> it looked like crawling. That 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 was yeah. Apropos. But that's that, and I just remember I'll always remember that because we went out the night before and I was like fuck it I'm doing it all night. That's a great segue into uh, we we interviewed. Um, so we uh, yeah we got Renee Brewster doing a little sit down. We got 
John Jackson's films. We also have Big Chief Brian, like we talked about. The last film that we have is Muff, directed by O.J. Parker and Quinn Young, a couple of uh, Loyola students. So uh, roll that interview with O.J. Parker and uh, Quinn Young. So y'all made a film Muff, and it was... Loyola, was this like a junior project? It was a project or what was it? Yeah, it was for class, for a class. And uh, what year was it? Um, it was the second year project and the first semester is your production and the point of the class is the professor kind of monitors your, your progress with your previs and your paperwork and stuff. Um, and then the second semester is when you cut it together. But we jumped the gun a little and cut the whole thing over winter break. <laughs> and, well, and it's kind of impressive to me because y'all were saying that before that, when first year was it just like three minute stuff or just yeah, small stuff like yeah. that? It was on like a, like a Canon DSLR yeah. and it, cutting it was just learning how to use the Avid digital software, which I had never touched in my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But it's, such a drastic difference in Monster. But, <laughs> but so this is this feels like a big jump because it goes from three minutes to pushing 20 minutes and, yeah. and what what was that y'all's choice or did you have to do that or what it was definitely our it was choice. definitely our choice it, it, the guidelines were like it, it should be around 10 to 15 um and we thought it was going to be around 10 to 15 we but just, like pushed it, it. It was a lot yeah. <laughs> movie. Oh, sorry. And so, so how did y'all, how did y'all do it though? Is it, I think we kind of talked about it. They, did they give you your crew and they give you actors and everything or did y'all have to find your own? It, it started with us, like, like the teacher uh, picks basically a couple scripts submitted, like you choose to submit a script and um, we wanted to do something, but most of the people were using like scripts from last year. Um, but we wanted to like knock something out so it's like both of us. We wrote the thing like over the phone with each other. Yeah, over the phone. Over like two weeks. The thing that got me with this is that I went to film school too. And by the second year, we were doing nothing. Um, so this seems a little bit ambitious for being y'all's kind of like the second or third thing y'all have ever done. I guess so. It felt, it didn't feel like we were being ambitious at the time. Um, I don't know, well, because we had, we were working within the class in groups of four people, so we picked our DP who was in the class, and we picked our uh, producer and first assistant director, Madison Wolf, um, also in the class. Um, so we had that assigned, but, and I, I think the assumption of a lot of people was like, that's your whole crew but we went a little overboard and like got like 15 people and then we held auditions for it and stuff. Um, both of them were, were non-actors too, uh, which was really cool and, and fun to work with. I love people that aren't actors. <laughs> My second year thing was literally uh, male and female sitting on a couch talking because that's what they try to make you do mm -hmm. in the second year. And I was always like, we, we can do more than this, but they just, they would. And so this is, you know, you've got multiple little um, uh, set up, let's say setups, but you, your location, even though it might be the same place, they're in different spots, they're in different things. You're walking, working around a bathtub, which is another thing that just, I'm always <laughs> watching a camera fall and I'm just like, oh God. But the non-actor part really strikes me because we, we've talked before about working with non-actors 
a lot of times it comes out great, a lot of times it just completely fails. Were y'all worried about any kind of like, and y'all getting on something like, oh God, this is not going well? I mean, the audition process went really well with um, both of our actors that we went with. I, I still think they were perfect roles for each. Um, and I, I think kind of like working with non-actors, like I kind of expected it to maybe go a little worse than it did and was okay with it. Yeah, but I also, I like at this level because the expectation I guess is that you, you, you cast people in like the drama department at school, but like at this level, I feel like um, a lot of actors that are trying to professionally work as actors really like ham it up in the sense of like trying to know how to act or like have a, a technique, I guess. And you can always see it on camera, like in the movie. <laughs> um, and so that's why I like non-actors. Um, and I guess it's also just like the the Harmony Corinne sort of like Iraqi, thing, like almost Dogma <laughs> 95 sort of thing of like just people that are good looking or look right yeah. that yeah. <laughs> work, I don't know. It was a little nerve-wracking, but we held rehearsals and stuff, yeah, so it was fine. Yeah, it out. You had mentioned before uh, the your inspiration to a degree was Kevin Smith, and yours was Jaws, and but that fits right in with Kevin Smith because Clark's obviously was non-actors, but it still came out the way it did. And we always have this conversation about it probably wouldn't have come out the way it did if it would have been polished with actors or that. So is that a little bit in your head with the Harmony Corinne with Kevin Smith when you're looking at it like it's okay to try something out? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Muff is inherently an unpolished. Like we kind of like grounded ourselves in that. Yeah, that was like part of the expectation, um, and. I don't I'm a loser and like I think French New Wave is still really cool and <laughs> so like having that kind of like stilted performance was something that I was interested yeah. in getting and um one of my favorite movies ever is uh Greg Rocky's The Living End and he casts these two hot guys that aren't actors and it almost looks like it's porn because <laughs> the acting is like, what? And that was something that I was very interested in getting. <laughs> what was it kind of like to, I don't know, take the, I don't want to say take the reins for the first time, but actually had to try to direct a movie to give them, you do the previews and everything like that, but on the day when you're actually working with actors, that's still a little bit different. What was that experience like? I um, kind of like got really lucky with it, I feel. I feel like they both, because we rehearsed it so well, but also they just like are weird kids and they just knew kind of exactly what we wanted by um, giving fully themselves in their roles. Um, there wasn't a much like, like I feel like you took a lot of the reign like as giving them like direction though. I love directing. I'm kind of a sadist, I guess. I love telling people <laughs> what to do. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I felt, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> um, because we had a lot of talks about the characters beforehand anyway, and so getting on the day was just sort of like, remind, like kind of guiding it in the right direction of like, you know, like, would you really do that or like come on amp it up give more and so it was kind of just like getting into it and trying to kind of share a headspace i guess um 
Yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> it it's a little bit different with y'all because you are just getting into the industry, so it's not like you've been, oh, I was a cinematographer for a long time, and now I'm getting into directing, so it's kind of like a fresh thing for you. Is that what y'all had wanted to do originally, was get into directing, or was that kind of um, what you decided after a while that you wanted to do versus like going into camera, going into sound, something like that? That was absolutely my first pick, and it's... I guess the opposite thing happened to me where now I work in camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was definitely, that was always the first choice forever. I, um, I kind of just like initially really liked writing. Um, I still like to write. So that was like a really fun like thing to just like create the story. Um, I still don't really know if I'm gonna direct a lot, but I would and I like to. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I went to school completely assuming I was going to edit because I loved editing and wanted to do that and then I realized that I can just produce it's just one of those things you, you figure it out and so you went into the camera is that kind of you chose to do that or you're like realize you like that more or what well it was kind of an accident because I was helping a friend do pickups and her DP was like shooting the wrong shutter speed and I was like wait let me fix it and then I ended up shooting the rest of it and Miles Doliak was in the movie, and um, he told me after, you got some serious DP chops, and it really went <laughs> to my head. <laughs> and I, I just like being on set and like that environment <laughs> um, where it's like terrible and like feels like you're pulling all your teeth out. I think it's great, and I love it. So um, anything that'll like get me a job to be in that environment i'll do it and i've had luck with camera but i also like producing and stuff so <laughs> and then for you for like writing have you kind of found anything that you've just been like man this just really pulls me in this direction Def I, I feel like i'm getting a, a very pulled into like the art department right now like i've been really really like we just did um our friend paulette's movie um best movie ever made probably um and i i uh, was production designer on it and i just feel like so strongly about that um my my main concern with that is like i like to do more like on set so I feel like there's a way I can kind of mesh that world where I get to do like more on set while also like running the art of it. How has the film school experience kind of uh, affected your future moving forward? In your it's great because you can try everything. Um, I, I love going to film school. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you have the opportunity to kind of try everything out, but in like a very legitimate capacity, um, especially with Miles offering internships on his own productions. Um, we both worked one over the summer that he produced. Um, so it, it all feels really legitimate, and um, you just have kind of the space to do whatever you want. I completely agree. I, I really like um, the opportunity to practice basically whatever you feel like you have an inkling of desire to do. And definitely working on that internship was such like a help overall. Like that alone could have been like worth going to Loyola for um, because that was such a good learning experience. Because that was like a real set. It was, yeah. it was a low budget set, um, but it was a real set. Was that was open? Awesome. No, uh, this one is Boneface. He didn't direct, he, he produced, but um, Nathan Tape shot it. So um, I got to be a camera assistant for him, which is like the greatest ever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually really cool because it's, it's interesting being on the other side of things because we, we've dealt with uh, Miles and like mm -hmm. uh, saw Open, saw 
uh, you know, did a lot of interviews with him, had a bunch of things about the internship with Loyola. I thought it was really cool, so it's cool seeing it from the other side, because I was always like, I wish they would have done that for us, and you know. Um, if uh, people are looking out for y'all, where can they find you? Y'all on the Instagram, or y'all on X, or what y'all on? Yeah, inst- Instagram. Yeah. What's your Instagram? Oh, my Instagram is um, quinn.is.young. My Instagram is Werner Herzog, but the O is a zero. And then we have a, an account for the movie, and it's at Muff Movie Film. <laughs> so I appreciate y'all coming out today, guys. Uh, it, we, we'll probably see a ton from y'all. I really enjoyed the film and hope that we can get y'all back in here. Thank you so more time for that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and thanks to the, the fellows for sitting down with us. And uh, we're looking forward to more of their work and more of Loyola's work in the future. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, young filmmakers that are really just putting out some really exciting stuff. There are, and we're reaching out to a lot of the colleges and all to try to get some of their stuff. And if you happen to be a young filmmaker or a yes. filmmaker in general that has a project you're working on that you have, we want to see everything that everybody's you know, got. And it, and it doesn't. The other thing is, is it you don't have to be. I mean, we're based in New Orleans, but it, it doesn't have to be. If you're not from New Orleans or you're not. You know, or it's something that's older. Send it to us, and and just so you know, uh, we kind of closing up shop for Mardi Gras Day. So like, yeah. we you won't get a podcast you know, on so on that Tuesday. So was it Phil Johnson that used to have as like the best um, editor Good of evening. the thing? Yeah. yeah, where he would just be like, uh, "There's no reason to take Mardi Gras. I take it seriously on Mardi Gras, so we reserve the right to." Have fun. It's kind of that thing. We're reserving the right to have some fun. I've never right seen that. nothing like it. I only see it once a year. I've never. I, I <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. I only see. I only see it once a year. I've never seen nothing like it once a year. What? Like it's not. It's one thing a year that I've never seen more than once a year. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> well, hey guys, y'all, y'all be good. Have a good, happy Mardi Gras. I gotta, I gotta say, that's one of the things. The bumper wise. Nope, nope. You jumped. You, I had an end, and now you added stuff. And thank you for joining in. A very special thank you to our guests, Big Chief Brian Nelson, along with OJ Parker and Quinn Young. Your hosts today were Randy Perez, John Wood, Rome Julian, and Patrick Marrero. Not so produced by Ricardo Bruns. For any additional or somewhat coherent information about Time Code Nola, check us out on timecodenola.com or just ask somebody. Happy Mardi Gras to all y'all. Be safe and show up at work on time on Ash Wednesday. Later. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is not, now, okay. now we're, he's already faded us out. So. That was fun. That was too much fucking fun. Right? No, you got to keep some of them fucking out. I don't give a fuck.